0: Hey, welcome back to Discourse from the Big Chair, and I know what you're thinking. It's been a long time. It's been a long, long time. Uh, this is the internet's premier Tears for Fears podcast. In fact, probably the internet's only Tears for Fears podcast. I'm Steve, and also joining me is Stephen Coleman. Hello. And he is, in my mind, uh, the world's foremost Tears for Fears expert, super fan, uh, what have you. And if you've been following the podcast for five, six, however many years we've been doing this, it initially began because, you know, Steve was, Stephen was this <laughs> huge super fan. It, this is fun too. We're going to really confuse you with two Steves on the same podcast. Anyways, he was a big super fan and I didn't even know Tears for Fears fandom was a thing. I think the first time I talked to you, I equated them to uh, Dead or Alive, the band that sings You Spin Me Right Now, Baby, uh, which I'm sure that cut a little bit deep. And I've I've since apologized for that. I was a little bummed out. Yeah. Uh, But over the course of a few years, we we went episode by episode, album by album. We saw them live a couple of times. And wouldn't you know, I am also a Tears for Fears super fan now. And we are back because... If you've been listening to the podcast, or if you go back and listen through to old episodes, you'll probably notice us at the end of basically every episode speculating on when we would finally get a new album, a follow-up to Everybody Loves a Happy Ending, which was released in 2004, right? 2004. 2004, the year I graduated from high school, and now I'm 36 years old. That's over half our life ago. (laughs) (laughs) Over half our life ago. And here we are. And we are actually on the precipice of a brand new Cheers for Fears album. We have not one, not two, but three singles to talk about. Mm-hmm. And gosh, and we, I mean, we were discussing this earlier, but there's serious physical release around this, too. There's uh, several variants of vinyl. There's a cassette release. Uh, get your compact disc. There's digital, of course, but... They're really putting some weight behind this. Mm -hmm. And uh, also, Cheers for Fears, guys, if you're listening, Roland, Kurt,
1: please, please do a vinyl release of Everybody Loves a Happy Ending. At least for the 20th anniversary in two years from now. Yeah, we need that. So something to think about, at least.
0: Anyways, we're not just going to be covering the new singles and, uh, you know, our fervor, our anticipation for the new album. What
1: else are we going to be covering? Uh, We're going to be fully covered. Covering covers. That's right. Tears for Fierce covers. The comforter over the sheet that lulls you to sleep.
0: Oh wow, that's good. I, I mean, I don't know if we want people to be lulled to sleep while we're talking, <laughs> but I guess if you're downloading the episode, that's fine. Uh, yeah, and, and we're gonna try and cover. We're gonna we're gonna cover a few things that maybe you've heard of, as far as Tears for Fears covers go. But we're not gonna hit the real big stuff. You're not gonna find any Lord here. You're not gonna find any Gary Jewels. We don't need that. Now, there's enough of that out there. Yeah. You
1: want Gary Jules? Go turn on your radio. <laughs> <laughs> and every cover of Mad World is a cover of the Gary Jules cover. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty and Michael much. Andrews.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to kick things off by just just going through some random covers. There's going to be some names that you've heard of, some that you haven't. And it's it's really interesting because what I look forward to a good cover song is... How do you transform the original work? Because when I hear a song like Everybody Wants to Rule the World or Shout, I think this is a perfect pop song. You don't need to do anything. So what do you do with it? How do you make it your own? And more importantly, once you make it your own, is it any good? Well, not necessarily. And (laughs) the first thing we're going to talk about proves that point quite well. Because did you know in the year 2000, on their hit album, The Sickness, the band Disturbed, who sings Down With The Sickness, also sang their version of Shout and called it Shout 2000.
1: They should have went Shout 2K. Yeah, Shout 2K or Shout... Ooh, ah! shout! <laughs> shout! Oh, man. Oh, I'm never
0: prepared for that no, initial scream. Shout! Yeah, the sound of strange bowel movements. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, you guys also have to deal with my disturbed impersonation over the disturbed song over a song that you probably love. Uh, thank you for not turning off the podcast just now. Uh, boy, I I really hate this song, which is why I want to uh, start with it. First of all. It's classic Disturbs. They certainly made it their own. It's got the hyper-compressed guitar, those crunchy riffs, the uh, singer's aforementioned strained vocal delivery. It's also got throughout it his Disturbed signature move of making his like metal scat noises in the, the scat band. Yeah. Scat man septum piercing. Scat <laughs> 2000. They should have
1: covered that. Yeah.
0: Better choice.
1: See, is this your favorite song or what? Um, pretty close. Yeah. Pretty close. It's not as good as their cover of Land of Confusion. Wow. Yeah. They,
0: um, this is another thing we were talking about off mic, but it seems like a lot of new metal, popular new metal bands from around this era were weirdly fixated on 1980s pop music, probably in an ironic fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Disturbed also covered Land of Confusion. That was a hit for them. Yeah. Uh, like it actually got played on the radio. I don't know Why? Uh, Limp Biscuit hit it big with the cover of George Michael's Faith, but I, I never got the feeling that they actually revered the bands they were covering. It was almost like there's, there's a kind of an ironic detachment, yeah. a silliness to, oh, look at us, we're covering the, the soft boy 80s bands.
1: Although I know that Kurt Smith was in the studio when they recorded this cover of Shout. With
0: a gun to his head <laughs> Right Yeah
1: <laughs> Some Rolling Stone editor said Hey we gotta write this like exactly. feature on uh, So after uh, he, was, he
0: was kidnapped in black bag and Say and it something nice <laughs> <laughs> What did Kurt Smith have to say about that I think
1: it was something to the extent of uh, They really did well they, they got the anguish of the original <laughs> lyric <laughs> Kurt Smith who didn't even write the song mm-hmm. uh, But no offense to Kurt Smith But yeah um, It clearly was sort of just like this, um, you know, we're just trying to play nice. Mm -hmm. Um, I have to do this thing for press, and uh, I'm not going to say anything bad about Disturbed. Yeah.
0: Well, I I can't disagree with Kurt Smith because I also felt anguish. Mm -hmm. So if that's what they're going for, congratulations. Mission accomplished. Now, what is the
1: opposite of Disturbed? probably somebody hung out with Bob Dylan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's right.
1: It's folk legend Joan
0: Baez, who also covered Shout, believe it or not, in a live song, no less. So let's see what she sounds like.
1: Soul. You
0: Is this the heaviest song Joan Baez ever
1: recorded? Whenever I hear Joan Baez, I can only think of Andrea Martin in SCTV (laughs) doing a Joan Baez version. I just want to hear it get to the chorus there. Come on. And who's backing her up here on vocals? The Neville Brothers. Oh my gosh, yeah. The Neville Brothers. Aaron and his (laughs) Aaron and his I'm kind of bummed that you can't hear him, though, because I would love to hear it him cover shout yeah i'd be into that <laughs>
0: so th- this is an odd one i guess i i don't hate it just as a curiosity i i can't ever see me turning this on and and being like i want to listen to this and not the original it's weirdly the heaviest thing i think she's ever recorded mm-hmm. uh, i like whoever's on drums because it seems like
1: They want to just,
0: like, keep a beat, but they're getting bored with themselves. So as the song moves on, they're just adding, like, more just, like, (laughs) just fills and exaggerations on what they're doing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's, um, it's audacious. (laughs) I'm sorry, my teeth are slipping. (laughs) Uh, There's a lot of audacity in this cover. Um, It was recorded for the Amnesty International Concerts, which were in 1986, so the shot was still probably a very uh, hot song. Tears Mm. of Fears were still a hot band at the forefront of everybody's mind, and it was probably the closest to a modern-day protest song for somebody like Joan Baez to sing. Um, And no disrespect to Joan Baez, but it does feel like my elementary school like librarian is trying to do something to get the kids really into it mm-hmm. or like a youth group leader or something <laughs> like that yeah i've uh i've never been a joan Baez fan. like I, yeah. I
0: respect her school and everything but i love mean love what I you just, did yeah respect but no thanks
1: yeah I mean, what's your favorite joan Baez record uh, whatever that song was On the Life Aquatic soundtrack yeah, there you <laughs> go <laughs> <laughs> Good answer Good answer Blowing in the wind Hey, there you go
0: Uh, We've got one more version of Shout here This is from a band called Trope That I've never heard of You big Trope fan?
1: Uh, not, not a trope, a trope for, for trope. trope
0: So again, this is I mean, it's a novel take on the song Another one where I think I'm going to fast forward a little bit here so we get to the chorus
1: these are the things I can do i can really kind of go uh, on, a little softer than this song. You, the chorus this is this is way more like 2000s alt rock There's the vibe goes and I, and I think it came out fairly recently too so it, it does sound dated retro 2000s yeah alt rock cover of a 80s new wave song. Is that the style that's coming to back I, now? I guess so. That's what the kids are into. Oh boy. I didn't like it when I was a kid. Yeah. They all want to listen that's to why uh, I still listened to Tears for Fears. Yeah. When I was a kid. Well,
0: you got to get that puddle of mud guitar
1: tone. <laughs> it's what we're all going for. Oh, Christ. anyways.
0: Uh yeah, I, I don't know. Of the 3, good effort. Yeah, most palatable, I guess. It's Again, not something I would listen to, but it's an interesting take, and, and they they play with the song a lot. It Seems like they're having a good time. It seems like they have reverie for the for the track itself, and uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call it a banger, but again, a for effort. And once you start with Disturbed, it's the only direction you have to go is up. So shout out Disturbed. Which I mean, you last year you you actually had the the joy of meeting. The disturbed drummers oh, strange yeah. wife
1: a uh, little aside folks uh this was on january 6, twenty one day of the uh insurrection at oh, the capitol i
0: just I just know what is, is Disturbed it's wife
1: day, but go ahead <laughs> <laughs> but at the time I was working at this tap room at this brewery in Waukesha, Wisconsin, which is a suburb of Milwaukee for those who don't know uh don't bother going there if you like cool things. Uh, But anyway, um, (laughs) I'm working and it's a very tense day. We're not showing any of the footage on the TVs at the bar, but um, this woman comes in and she's very upset about what's happening. And I'm sort of commiserating with her. We get to talking just to distract ourselves from what's happening. And she mentions, oh, I wonder if my husband is there at the Capitol. I was like, oh, shit, who's your husband? She's like, well, he's actually, like, a pretty famous musician. I'm like, well, okay. I I, I didn't push it, but she just kept bringing up. It's like, yeah, he's sold millions of records, millions of people follow him and listen to him. I'm thinking she was, like, married to Ted Nugent. Yeah, my mind immediately goes to the nooch. And finally she breaks down she's like, uh, yeah, I was married to the drummer of uh, Disturbed. (laughs) And my immediate reaction to that... Like without even thinking about it my immediate reaction was I've never forgiven them for what they did to tears for fear shout <laughs> Did you tell her that? I did. <laughs> that was the did first thing out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily she chuckled and she's like oh yeah that was terrible wasn't it It's like yeah yeah it was really bad. Good for her for
0: recognizing that. Uh but yeah, disturb. It's uh the soundtrack to getting a divorce or being divorced so yeah. you do you're, you're a single man in his early 40s with a 2006 Chevy Tahoe and
1: your your wife she took everything you had and now oh. you just want to shout over and she definitely deserved everything he had yeah I'd uh, say so and more she should have taken his drums that would yeah, have helped. and just burned
0: them yeah just burn them <laughs> alright well let's move on to another Tears for Fears banger let's talk about Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Probably the most covered song besides Mad World. It is indeed. And when I think of people who, oh, yeah, that'd be interesting if they covered Tears for Fears. A name that doesn't come to mind is Gloria Gaynor. (laughs) And yet, (laughs) what do we we have have here? here?
1: Having Having sang sang the the song song at karaoke, karaoke, karaoke. I feel feel like this is the exact exact backing backing track track that that I've I've always heard. heard. Yeah, yeah I, I, think, I think I think they, they just got the rights for this one. It was cheaper, and,
0: and it's wild too because the synth sound and the drum sound is more '80s, 80s than it Shout, which, which was recorded in, in the '80s. 80s. <laughs> and w- when, was when was this, this made? made?
1: I've, I've never been able to get an exact date, but I'm guessing, guessing probably right, right after, after the song was a hit. So mid to late '80s, maybe early '90s. It's been around at least as early as 1996, because that's when I discovered it when I was like 11 or 12 years old, uh-huh. going to Tears for Fears fan websites and looking at, oh, here's a section about other bands that have covered Tears for Fears. And it was a very short list in 1996. And the most famous on that list was Gloria Gaynor with that version that we just heard.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, I, I mean, stop bad. It's weird. <laughs> I don't know who this is for. I, I, I mean, it's it it's it's such an odd choice, and and I don't know. It's it's not even a novelty either. It's it's pretty much a a straight cover, right? Like she doesn't. There's no like major flourishes or, or anything she does to to elevate the song or or change it significantly. It's just kind of like yeah. Yeah. It's the "I Will Survive" lady, but she's
1: wants to rule the world. Well, again, I, I I feel like maybe she was about to go out on a, like a casino tour, and most people would go just to hear "I Will Survive," but she needs to spice up the set list. So, I guess I'll learn a few contemporary songs so that uh, the people coming to see my show and Branson can take their grandkids. And the grandkids will have something that they'll really like, like this new band, Fears for Tears. Beats Wayne Newton. <laughs> now. <laughs> I might be way off on that, but that's. Yeah, just- we could be completely
0: wrong. <laughs> it, it is. It's, it's just a real oddity. And, and this is another one where there's tons of covers out there. But I'm, all, I'm always interested in why these artists choose songs. And uh, this one is pretty cool. Uh, Patty Smith. Mm hmm. Covered Everybody Wants to Rule the World, believe it or not. Which I mean, come on. Can't deny this one.
1: Yeah, this... Before I ever heard it, like it blew me away that Patty Smith was covering Tears for Fears. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was going to give me so much credibility. <laughs> amongst my circle of mostly punk rock fans. You know, um,
0: it, it's, it's funny too because... I I don't know, like Tears for Fears, one of the things that's always struck me is, I mean, they make these amazing pop songs, but they rarely stick to conventional tones or time signatures or rhythms or anything like that. And the direction that Patti Smith takes is she sort of adds little extra layers of complication to an already uh, interesting pop song, because this is not in like, this is not like a 4-4... (laughs) <laughs> just simple straightforward jam.
1: Yeah, it um at the time when it came out I was a little underwhelmed by it. Mm-hmm. Um but I've actually I've grown to like it. Um the uh the bridge in the song, like uh, the band that she has I think does a really good job. Um it's not a earth-shattering cover. No. Uh it's actually not something I would have ever expected from Maddie Smith, but it's uh it's nice. I uh, have nothing derogatory to say about it. Not yeah. that anybody should expect me to say anything derogatory about it. Um, <laughs> I do remember around the time when this came out, watching footage of her performing the song live, and she would always forget the lyrics. And she would have to like, <laughs> sing the song with like a notepad in front of her to try and remember the lyrics. And in interviews, she was like, I never heard the song before. Which is crazy to me, because it was, even if you weren't trying to hear it, it was such a ubiquitous hit song. It was like, yeah, one day I was in a coffee shop, and I was, like, paying attention to lyrics, and it's like, ah, I I should cover this song for my covers album. (laughs) Right between uh, Lee Reed and Paul Simon songs. Who's this band? Fears for Tears? Oh, okay, yeah. (laughs) Well...
0: Moving from a uh, popular, well-known artist into the realm of, oh, uh, what the heck is this? Uh, w- see, what is this?
1: Oh, well, I think we know. Giorgio Morador? Moroder? <laughs> Moroder? You don't know Moroder? I don't know Moroder. Tell me the about Moroder. The classic disco uh, producer? I was not aware. Yeah. He, what, uh, what else has he done? He's done a lot. He uh, was like, he's an Italian producer, best known for uh, producing a lot of disco hits in the hmm. late 70s. Did like Donna Summer stuff and uh, recently worked with Daft Punk. Wow. I believe. Still getting around. getting real education here. I had yeah. no idea. Oh. No clue. I thought I'd drop that and you'd be like, oh, I can't believe that.
0: No, I had no idea. I, I had no idea whatsoever. <laughs> and I
1: love this one because... It adds a weird sense of dread to the song. Oh, yeah. Uh, the movie Midnight Run. Mm-hmm. He does the soundtrack.
0: There you go. I had no clue. See, this this podcast is one part entertainment, one part education, because I don't know anything, to be completely This honest. is a big revelation that we're it's having a on huge a
1: personal <laughs> um, growing as people as you listen. Well, this cover, I mean, it's very interesting. Obviously, it's sung in italian um for some show that i've never watched but queen uh, of the south queen of the south i don't know what that is either uh who's here to educate us on on queen of the
0: south apparently no
1: one uh write to us at uh optimism vaccine p.o (laughs) bank um but yeah that's it's an interesting take i uh yeah, if if I was if I was still
0: like DJing bars, remember when that was the thing when you could DJ a bar? Mm-hmm. Uh, can't do that. <laughs> if I was still DJing bars like it was two thousand seven, uh, I I would play this song. Hundred percent would play this song because it kind of fits the bill of recognizable but weird, mm-hmm. and people love that. So uh, yeah, it's it's fun. It's it's interesting. It's it's something I would listen to again. Do I love it more than the original? Absolutely not. Are you insane? What's wrong with you? But uh, yeah, I, out of everything on this playlist, it's the one where almost immediately my ears kind of perked up, and I was just like, "Ooh!"
1: <laughs> yeah, it uh, definitely is a step above the uh, Lord version. Sorry, yeah. not sorry, sorry, oh, Lord. Love you, Lord. Lovely Lord. Should, your title, Lord.
0: Um, all right, so we've got a couple of bands on here that I also haven't heard of but you're probably going to tell me that they're you know seminal bands from <laughs> 10 years ago that have won nine Grammys or something uh, this is from uh, uh, Lucius
1: Lucius I don't know much about Lucius either but I actually really like this cover
0: mm-hmm. this one it reminds me a little bit of Girlpool. I don't know if you've ever heard that band before but just yeah, kind of reminds me of that or uh Au revoir, Simone. That's another band kind of reminds me a little bit. All my uh, David Lynch Twin Peaks Return fans out there, you know what I'm talking about? This is a fun one.
1: (laughs) It's Um, also great. Everybody, several times in the chorus before they get to it.
0: Uh, This is a good one to play uh, after the last one because while the uh, Giorgio Moroder version. Kind of instills a sense of dread. Uh, I think the Lucius version makes it just a lot more fun, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And then, and then you've got the actual original track that splits the difference. So. And then finally, for Everybody Wants to Rule the World, we've got Water From Your Eyes. I don't know who they are either.
1: Water From Your Eyes is a band I was supposed to see live tonight, the night that we're recording this. No way. Were wish, they going to play this? They were going. They might have. Um, but they actually legitimately released one of my favorite albums of 2021. Wow. Um, and the album itself, this is really just a shill for water from your eyes who do a very nice job covering everybody wants to rule the world. Mm -hmm. Um, but they, uh, yeah, released one of my favorite albums of 2021. And it's this album that's sort of like the first song lulls you into this like sense of security that this is just going to be like a nice bedroom pop album. And then the next song just like completely fucks you up. (laughs) It's noisy. It's It's crazy. crazy. It's It's amazing. Uh, And I'm sure sure it's probably popped up on a few like top top ten lists lists of the the year for some critics, but really really good good stuff. I highly recommend checking checking them out. If you're listening to this as 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 a Tears for for your fan, I think you you can can get behind behind Water water from from Your your Eyes.
0: eyes. Yeah, and the 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 concert got Omicron today.
1: It did. I just got my refund. Second time
0: for us in in how
1: many weeks? That's true. Well, at least the armed only uh, postponed. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we were
0: supposed to go to Detroit to see the armed. That didn't happen. Which, a great band. Not one that I I think a lot of Tears for Fears fans would love. But um, if you like things that are a little more heavy and aggressive, uh, it might fit the bill. All right. Well, let's move on from Everybody Wants to Rule the World. And uh, let's sow some seeds of love because... (laughs) This song, I don't know where you dug <laughs> this one up, but I i want to talk about it. The Wurzles, off of their hit album, A Load More Bollocks.
1: In the sea, in the the is, is this like sea shanties, the boat music? I heard about this from the uh, 80sography podcast, which shout out to the 80sography podcast. They've actually done a lot of really great interviews with uh, people in the TFF circle, including uh, uh, Ian Stanley, who's a really hard get to interview. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he brought it up in one of the episodes like, oh, if you ever heard the Wurzels cover and the Wurzels are like this novelty act um in the UK I don't know that much about them they sound like what what's the uh
0: the band with like 27 people in it they all have mustaches and are from Romania and do you know what I'm talking about
1: um and sons <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god no they uh, oh what are they they call themselves like oh we're gypsy oh go go bordello yeah the go go yeah. bordello yeah it kind of sounds like that or like your grandpa's like polka band i <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think they're very... Um, obviously, they've been around forever, I think, in the... U- I think they're Welsh. I might be totally off. Somebody should yeah. call me out on that, but... Um, but, yeah, covering Sowing the Seeds of Love in uh That's a pretty recent cover, too. I think that only came out a few years ago, and they were trying to do, like, a punk and new wave covers album. Oh. In their classic style. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's, uh not, again, not one I would be like, wow, I, I can't wait to listen to the Wurzels cover of Sowing the Seeds of Love. But if you're a Tears for Fears fan and you're like, I want to hear what is the opposite version of a Tears for Fears song, it might be the Wurzels. And then we also have a version from uh, Urban Love.
1: High time, we made a set.
0: Little, is, uh, little jazzy number. Can,
1: uh, throw on your Thievery
0: Corporation playlist. Yeah, this sounds like I just walked into the Starbucks section of the Barnes and Noble at the mall, <laughs> and I'm like, is that Tears for Fears? I'm like, no, that's, that's a Lady Cover. So it's a bit of that like postmodern jukebox, yeah. Kind of that's just, this and is they good. cover Mad World,
1: by the way. Oh, do they? Of course but, uh, they do. Puddles of the Clown.
0: It, I, my favorite thing about postmodern jukebox was, well, nothing because I don't like it, <laughs> but I like how it's, it's catnip for the elderly because they, mm-hmm. they love it, love it, love it, love it. And nine times out of 10, if you have a family member over the age of 60 and they send you a YouTube clip and say, you got to listen to this, or they or actually they probably just share a Facebook post with it. <laughs> it's probably postmodern jukebox. Love it, love it, love it. See that? Or uh, pentatonics. Oh, pentatonics. Although the olds are mad at pentatonics, at least the ones I know, because, see, postmodern jukebox is like the secular old people where pentatonics, for some reason, the, the, the Christians have really glommed onto them. Huh. But it turns out one of the pentatonics guys is gay, which oh, great for him. Boy. Not so great for just the evangelicals. One Just one of them. I, I mean, maybe <laughs> they all <saw> are. <laughs> One that I know of. I
1: Who's no disrespect.
0: Say? I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's weird. So um, you know, now now in, in many a prayer circle, it's that like, we don't we don't listen to Pentatonix.
1: Well, maybe I should check them out.
0: Oh, yeah, I think you should. <laughs> I'm sure they do a Mad World cover. <laughs> My gosh, it was like it was like when you know Minnesota Lutherans uh, got mad at Target. Like that's a real crisis of faith. Anyways. Um, Yeah, Sowing the Seeds of Love by Urban Love does absolutely nothing for me. Sowing the Seeds of Urban Love. Yeah, Sowing the Seeds of Urban Love, uh, boring like sowing the seeds of Benadryl directly into my brain. Uh, Let's talk about Head Over Heels though, because hey, Japanese Breakfast, that's a band I like. Mm. I didn't know they covered Head Over Heels, and yet. You know, Steve, I I always kind of scoffed at the, the term bedroom pop. Any kind of like soft, intimate, primarily electronic, lo-fi pop music, and yet I have never heard a song that sounds more like it was just
1: intimately recorded in a bedroom closet. I yeah, to I, I love Japanese Breakfast. Speaking of favorite albums from 2021, hmm. um, I love this cover. Hmm. I really do. Like it almost brings me to tears whenever I hear it. And it's so minimalist. That's kind of like with, you know, a lot of covers like, Oh, okay. So they just took all the elements out of it and just brought it down to the bare yeah. bones. But I really like how she performs this song. I think it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't go back to a lot of tears for fears covers, but this is one I actually go back to. Well, Tears for Fears songs are, I mean, they're layered, right? You know, that's, that's, Part of the
0: appeal is it's the beautiful pop music, but it's it's like a little pop music onion where you can just peel it back and peel it back. And they're one of the few bands that I can listen to, and depending on where I'm listening to it or what kind of headphones I'm using, I can pick out new things that I, maybe I didn't hear before. And it's really interesting that she can capture all the emotion in this song mm-hmm. and strip it
1: down to basically nothing.
0: It's yeah. it's her voice, in a little plinky keyboard and that's it
1: and i think that yeah and that speaks to the power of the song too just how well written of a song it is um so yeah shout out to japanese breakfast yeah if you're listening big fan
0: yeah thanks for thanks for listening japanese breakfast we appreciate you (laughs) (laughs) all right well what about uh sam amadon i wanted to be i hate this
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how, I've known about this one for a long time, Um, it's one of the first songs I downloaded off of uh, iTunes. I would describe Keep Sam
0: Hamadan's singing voice as Maybe you shouldn't. Yeah. I just like, I, I get it. It's, I'm it's just kind of like, mansion. you know, you nasally nerdy traditional folk singer time. thing too. Cause that's You're the thing with folk singers. It's like, it's about the message. It's not about how I'm singing it.
1: Yeah. Happens. And this is very much of its time. Yeah. Uh, it's that quirky singer songwriter. I can't really sing, but I'm going to give it my all. Um, I, I appreciate the ambition in the cover.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, uh, yeah, his singing is just, I'm this all guy, about unconventional voices, but fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> I can't
0: do it. I can't do it. I was looking into this. I was just like, who is this guy? And so I clicked on his Spotify page and I scrolled down and he's currently on tour opening for the weather station, which is wild. I Yeah, he's
1: been around for a while.
0: yeah. Not my cup of tea. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry, Sam, if you're listening, I may have been a bit harsh. <laughs> not my thing, man. I just, I'm I'm not vibing with whatever you're, you're, you're dishing out here. I don't know.
1: Could I? Yeah, I use you much. Yeah. Just that little squeal. I can't even do it properly. Like I... Mm-hmm. Well, I know what you're
0: thinking, dear listener. You're like, well, this has been great, but... You've given me all these, like, ooh, downbeat, slow covers of, of songs. And where, where's, where's the dance club banger? That's what you're saying. And the answer is it's right here. We need a little Matthew Deere with a side of Tegan and Sarah, a collaboration that I did not think existed. Hold on, I'm going to fast forward a bit for you. A little Pale Shelter.
1: This also blew me away when it came out, just because this was at the time that Tears for Fears were releasing these singles. Mm -hmm. And I emphasize singles because I got into it with somebody on a Tears for Fears fan forum the other day won't mention any names, but these were singles. I don't care if they're only streaming on um, SoundCloud or Soundboard, Mm -hmm. but these are official singles that they released and were eventually compiled to form an EP released on Record Store Day as a promotional product. But Tears for Fears covered Arcade Fire, Hot Chip, and Animal Collective. And there was even a music video for the Animal Collective single, so don't tell me these aren't singles anyway. (laughs) <laughs> when they're doing this to prepare for recording their new album at the time, seven years ago, um, Tegan and Sarah and Matthew Deere came out with this cover. It's like, holy shit, Tegan and Sarah are covering Tears for Fears like worlds are colliding. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like this one.
0: Yeah, it's great. Yeah. I, I love Matthew Deere as a producer. Super cool. He's been around forever. Yeah. Makes great, great tracks. Tegan and Sarah, again, not my cup of tea, but I like them on this. Yeah. It's a really fun, unorthodox collaboration. It's it's not what I expected. I had as soon as I saw this on, on this list, I got really excited for yeah. it. And it delivers. It's uh it's another one that's top tier. This is this is one that I would definitely go back to and listen to more. So Tegan and Sarah, Matthew Deere covering pale shelter, that's one you gotta check out. And then we get over to Paul Young. <laughs> A uh, pan flute, what do we got here? Synthesize, An pan ocarina. Flute. <laughs> ocarina. <laughs> so, uh, fast forward a little bit. Now, Please. I don't know
1: anything about this guy. He seems like someone who is somebody to someone else. Well, you know, the song Every Time You Go Away, You Take a Piece of Me. Oh, yeah. That's him? That's him. Okay. This is before that. And did he have more hits in the UK than he did in the US? Oh, yeah. Like, okay. he was he also a has really that big star him. over there.
0: He seems like British John Cougar Mellencamp. To me.
1: <laughs> yeah, a little more croonery. Mm-hmm. but. Uh, and this is on his No Parlez album, which in the UK was a huge deal. I think it was did okay here in the States, mm-hmm. as far as I know. I wasn't born yet, but... Uh, um and I th- the version that we just listened to is actually a demo because he oh. requested to do a cover of the song and this would have come out just months after Tears for Fears' original version came out okay. and was a hit in the UK uh, but they <laughs> he asked them if he could put it on this album they said no <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. and I don't know if they heard the demo and they thought like oh this is just that pure is trash shit, yeah yeah uh, or if they just didn't want anybody covering them at the time, um, yeah. But yeah, it's not good. I mean, I know it's just a demo. I should give him more credit. Paul Young's a very good uh, wedding singer type vocalist, but um,
0: <laughs>
1: that's, that's what you're all I, for I got for that.
0: Well, hey, uh, why don't we move on to a song that a lot of people love, but to the chagrin of many a Tears for Fears fan who listens to this podcast. I've never been a big fan of Women in Chains. <laughs> and in fact, I, I I would always drive our friend Sean nuts by singing my completely wrong version of the song, <laughs> which out of respect for the listeners, I'm not going to croon you with that one.
1: But, well, and um, I, I think I've even been harsh on Women in Chains, but I've recently grown a lot of love for it, mm-hmm. Um, thanks to like the Seeds of Love reissue from a year ago and just not being so hard-headed about it. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying about me, Steve? No, it took me a long time. As a Tears for Fears mega-fan, it took me a long time to get behind "Woman in Chains. Yeah. So this is the Tony Hadley version. Tell me about Tony Hadley, Steve. Tony Hadley is the uh, lead singer of Spandau Ballet.
0: Huh? Oh. Woman in Chains.
1: And I have never well, been Spandau. And even though they kind of run the same circles as Teresa Fears
0: Fears even opened for them in 2010 yeah. on an Australia,
1: Australia tour and I remember when that happened I was like fuck that it should be the other way around but <laughs> I get it Spandau Ballet was a lot bigger in every other country and continent besides like the US, US and North UK. America yeah. um, but I've just never really like I understand like I think the only band that Tears for Fears is allowed to open for in Australia is like Midnight Oil. That's... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or Excess when Michael Hutchin was alive. Yes,
0: those that's those are acceptable answers. I think. Um,
1: yeah, I've never been a fan of Spandau Ballet. Besides, like maybe a few singles here or there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that this is just a very, I don't know, a rudimentary cover. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think Tony Hadley is that great of a singer. And it's weird because I think he and Roland Doors have a lot of similarities in their delivery, at least at the time. I think that was just like a Mm -hmm. thing that was part of the fashion of like the early to mid 80s. But he just sounds like a sea lion.
0: Yeah, I mean, Roland has... He's got a very powerful, dramatic, unique voice. Mm -hmm. And I can see why... It really it, it rubs some people the wrong way, and I think that's that's one of the barriers to for fears. Is like you have to accept that Roland has this big voice that is not what you would expect necessarily out of out of a, a pop singer. And Spandau Ballet is like the the dark side version of Roland's voice. Yeah, it's it's just like it fits into the same category, but it doesn't check the boxes
1: that make it appealing to my ears in any way
0: shape or form
1: well he just he doesn't have the range and no and And he he kind of overcompensates with the the operatic nonsense and and i've heard stories that he's a complete prick too (laughs) maybe he's not but just what i heard something to think i have nothing to lose by saying that or to gain by that so don't be mad (laughs) he's coming for you he's a listener i don't matter uh, how about Laura Tain? She sings Advice for the Young at Heart, which is... It was. I just was impressed that I found a cover of it. That was what I was going <laughs> to say. Where did you get this from? I just searched it. <laughs> that, that's it. This is another Starbucks cover, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, and we've talked about Advice for the Young at Heart a lot in other episodes. Mm-hmm. I always don't like to talk trash about it too much because it's like my dad's, one of my dad's favorite Tears for Fear songs. And I do like the song, but I always thought that the recorded version, the single version, it just wasn't quite, not quite what I would have wanted ultimately. Mm-hmm. Not that I matter again, but um <laughs> like I feel like it's a really good song that could have like benefited from a little less production. Yeah. Maybe be a little bit more raw. Um, and I think like the fact that it's so easily covered by whoever this artist is, whose name I've already forgotten, um, speaks to the integrity of the song. Like, mm-hmm. like with Japanese breakfasts cover of, uh, head over heels, like this is a really good song. um, that's fairly easy to cover, but this version, though, it's kind of like, well, I don't really know why it exists. <laughs> Other than, yeah. here's a song you might know that wasn't really that big of a hit. Yep,
0: that's that's pretty much it. Uh, this is another one where,
1: uh,
0: yeah, I, I think I listened to this once, and I was like, nope, not for me. I don't even think I listened to the whole thing. <laughs> I honest. guess if, if you needed an easy listening playlist version of Tears for Fears songs... Uh, Congratulations, track two. You got it. Uh, But hey, did you know someone actually covered The Working Hour? Was not expecting this. Also, side note, no covers of The Prisoner? No. No. What a shame. Uh, Anyways, Working working Hour. hour. So, what's What's this guy's guy's name name again? again? Oh, Uh, this this is Jake Jake Allen.
1: Allen. Jake Jake Allen seems seems very annoying. annoying. He's got, got a, a real uh, Jason, Jason Moran thing going here with yeah. the VR one.
0: So, so i get to get his singing. What do you got for him? This is around. Ooh, now I'm yeah. looking for yeah. No yeah.
1: He sounds like, like he's a leading a youth choir. choir. Yeah, I, I don't... There's, there's, there's a certain type
0: of production for a singer-songwriter where... They just, they, they go really, really big on on the on the reverb and it just kind of has this like sterile, big room feel to it and it, you lose a lot of the intimacy of having, it, like with Japanese Breakfast where that really emphasizes the intimacy and it feels, it's almost like this, this cone-shaped audio that really like zeroes in on you and just hits you with this very soft thing. Like she's sitting two feet away from you just playing this on a yeah. keyboard. And with him, I feel like I'm inside of the Dallas Cowboys football stadium, and it's me and him are the only people there, and he's sitting 200 yards away from me. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: I, I, I concur. concur. Yeah. That's also, tough. I just don't like his voice, so. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's <laughs> too, um, and, <laughs> and I, can I can see somebody listening, listening to this, even like and I'm like, well, like, well, that's, that's actually pretty, pretty good. good. Like, like, I get, I get the, the ambition, I guess, I guess, is there, there but mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. not for, for me yeah. in any yeah. way.
0: Yep, not for me either. All right, well, moving on. What do we got next? Suffer the Children. What? What? Who knew? And this is
1: Show. I don't know anything about this band. Or this artist. Mm -hmm. But this isn't too bad. No, this is a
0: pretty kick-ass cover. I'm actually going to fast forward a little bit. You know, I, mess, I mentioned Aurobar's uh, song earlier And this sounds even more like it. Yeah, honestly Oh yeah uh, But yeah, this, this is a band The one that I had marked It's one of my favorites So look it up Yeah Marcho Suffer the Children Who knows? And hey, shout out to doing A little bit of a deeper cut there. You know, not just another head over you Well, that's a good one That's a real good one mm-hmm. uh, You want to go deep cuts, though? <laughs> How about we had three different versions of Ideas as Opiates? Starting with...
1: Who'd have thought?
0: Epic 45. Might need to workshop that name. Let's give it a listen. (laughs) Tell me a little bit about Epic 45, Mr. Coleman. Uh, They do a cover of Ideas as Opiates. (laughs) (laughs) Say what you want. Yeah, Um, this is one of those where they're like... I mean, they're basically doing a note-for-note, beat-for-beat cover of the original, but not as good. good. Yeah. So if if you ever ask yourself, like, man, I really like this here's for for Fears song, I wish there was a version that I enjoyed 37% less. This is it. This is it. Epic
1: 45. We've done the dirty work for you. You Mm
0: -hmm. But Janice Whaley says, uh, hey,
1: what about my version? So Janice Wiley, actually, I know because she's done work with Kurt Smith on some of his solo projects. Okay. So. I'm... So is his soul on board with this, or? No, this wasn't soul on board. This <laughs> was. his <laughs> <it's> more respectable <laughs> solo work in more recent years, like very recent, actually, and James Roday. Sings on this, he's the uh, star of the show Psych, which features Kurt Smith in it several times. His character on Psych, and I think he in real life is a big Tears for Fears fan. Okay,
0: okay. So, this
1: is an endearing cover just you with want. those variables. <laughs> Say what you want. Um, Say what you, you know, it, it'd be like if, if, if I could cover a Tears for Fears song and have the opportunity, Say what <laughs> you want. it wouldn't be any good, it'd be Say dreadful. <laughs> And I don't think that this is actually that dreadful. It's, it's fine. It's nice. Totally fine. Totally passable. But better lo- than we're Epic 45. For the gems.
0: We're looking for the gems. And uh, then we got... I mean, this is, this is the final one we're going to cover on our covers here. But on Audette. And she's hitting us with that real lo-fi production. I kind of like the lo-fi. I like it. Yeah. What, and... I I guess, especially compared to the other two, it's it's just nice when you change something, you know. Mm. And this is a hard one because it's such a sparse song to begin with. So what do you what do you do? Like there's not there's not a lot to take away, and you can only exaggerate so much. So I don't know. There's there's not a do do. I would say of the three. Lilane gives us the best cover of Ideas as Opiates, but still, I'm not yeah you know, all all over the moon on this one.
1: No, I mean, I'm not going to go back to listen to any of those covers. That's my favorite of the three, but... Yeah. I just can't believe that there's three. Yeah, that's that's the weirdest part. Like, that's the novelty, right? Three um, people decided to cover this. There were a few covers that I didn't add to this list. Uh, City in Color does a cover of Suffer the Children that's... Find if you like City and Color. Mm-hmm. I don't, but I think that's <laughs> I don't their really be- either. I would say that their best song is their cover
0: of, of that song. So,
1: yeah, you know, not, uh, not available on Spotify, but you can find it on YouTube. Yeah, it's out there. And then um, Brother Tiger, which I think we talked about an episode ago, mm-hmm. years ago, does an entire album where he covers songs from The Big Chair that I still listen to from time to time. I think it's actually, oh, wow. I think he does a really nice job. With that, he's clearly a big fan and does some things to try and reinvent some of the songs, but then just, like, also sticks to the core of what made the songs great. Mm-hmm. Uh, his cover of Head Over Heels has a marimba in it. Ooh. Yeah, I do remember or synthesized that. marimba. It's really good. And he actually, his version of I Believe, I might prefer it over the original version. Wow. Brother type? Hot take. Hot take. So there you go. If you really need a
0: Tears Fierce cover fix brother tiger brother tiger all right well let's get into i mean probably what people tuned in for here, right. right These are the new <laughs> singles uh we've got an album coming
1: less than a month yeah uh well actually a little over a one month? month and five days wow okay as of this recording what at least
0: it's actually coming out it's right? coming like it exists. out it's happening it has to happen finally all right well Leading up to that, Tears for Fear so far has released three singles, including the latest, Break the Man, which that was, I mean, less than a week ago, right? Yeah. Yeah, so brand spanking new. Look at us with our topical content. But the first single they released is called The Tipping Point, and it sounds a little bit like uh, this. The titular album track. The titular album track. Uh, I love this as a first single because, I don't know, I, I feel like your first your first single should be your album statement, basically. Mm-hmm. And of the three singles, pretty diverse here, yeah. this is the most definitively tears for fears sounding of the three. Yeah. The production is wild. Just... Insanely complex. The song structure, too, is just it's, it's kind of all over the place in a fun and playful way. And it's extremely dark, especially if you know what Roland Orsable has been going through for the past yeah. five years or so, six years. So I'm gonna pass work just a little bit. To get a little on this. Ah, but yeah, it's great song. Fantastic yeah. song. What for those who don't know, what is, what is Roland
1: Orzabal been going through? What is this song about? Well, this song is, as he's said in many interviews, like is literally about him watching his wife die, yeah. uh, suffering from you know, depression, alcoholism, and he describes the song as him being in the hospital ward, just watching his wife die and waiting for that moment where he's either living with her or living without her. And is that person who's dying, is that the same person who I've loved for over 30, 40 years, or is that person gone? And now I'm just left with, for lack of a better term, the husk of Mm -hmm. this being that was the love of my life. And it's really heavy stuff. Um, and (laughs) to say the least, um, And it kind of makes you think like, oh, well, we've been for six years. The running joke is like, well, why have they come out with a new album yet? And And that's pretty much why. Uh, And it, you know, whenever they've canceled shows or postponed shows, it's like, well, yeah, like these are people who have lives. And sometimes Mm -hmm. no matter how successful or how powerful you are, bad shit's going to happen. And, you know, we've learned through recent interviews that he was basically his wife's caretaker for, you know, a good five years, you know, going from like whenever shortly after everybody loves a happy ending came out up until about 2017 when she passed away. Mm -hmm. I I think the thing
0: that I really love about this is, uh, I mean, it's a sad subject. It's objectively a sad song, but it's not, sad and mopey in the traditional sense. It's, it's really just, there's just this feeling of anxiety underneath the surface. That's just sort of bubbling up on the track. And it's, it's really powerful. And Mm. it's, I think it's one of the the best songs they've probably done in God, since 1989. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's it's one of the, it's one of their stronger tracks and, uh, certainly my favorite of the three singles and, uh, shit yeah what it what a statement to for a new album like mm-hmm. <laughs> i i don't think i don't think this is going to magically just break them through into the mainstream like it's not going to be one of those albums that just like catapults them once again to the top of pop stardom but i'm glad that they're at a point in their career where they really don't care about that and mm-hmm. to to have a lead single that's this intimate and this personal and so definitively who they are as musicians is, is fantastic. So, cause I got a little worried when I heard they were just working with a bunch of pop
1: producers, like contemporary yeah.
0: pop producers.
1: Well, and thankfully they abandoned that. Um, which I guess like on some of the, uh, deluxe editions, we'll get some of those bonus tracks as like things they worked on with these other big pop producers. And, you know, when they announced that back in 2016, I think I was just excited for a new album, mm-hmm. but Looking back on the now, it's like, I'm so glad <laughs> they decided to just not do that. Yeah. And this, you know, tipping point, case in point, no pun intended, is the most Tears for Fears sounding song that they've released in a very long time. Mm-hmm. As, as much as I have a deep, deep love for Everybody Loves a Happy Ending, I mean, this is very much a return to form. Um it took me a while to warm up to it, though. I'll admit that. Yep. Same. Um, I think because the first time I heard it, I was listening to it being broadcast live on BBC radio at like 30 in the morning <laughs> uh, <laughs> in a very condensed or compressed state. Um. But. Yeah. And this is actually becoming kind of a hit song for them. Really? The closest they've had to a hit. In a long time, I hear it on um, locally. Radio Milwaukee's been playing the hell out of it Hmm. since October. Um, And I say that because, like, sometimes I'll go in the car, I don't listen to the radio that often. But when I tune in, I've heard that song at least five or six times. Wow. Just randomly. Um, And it's even, like, on the uh, alternative charts. (laughs) It's still on the charts. It's peaked at 17 so far. It might go higher. It might not. But that's more than I can say about any single that came out from uh, Everybody Loves a Happy Ending.
0: Sure. When was the last charting single?
1: Uh, Here's here's trivia. Didn't see
0: that one coming, did
1: you? I think it actually was Closest Thing to Heaven. In the UK, it charted at number 40. Okay. And that's it. There you go.
0: All right. Well... Uh, yeah, great track. And then they followed that up with No Small Thing. <laughs> and this is fun because if you release the most definitive Tears for Fearsy sounding single in the last 30 plus years, how do you follow that up? <laughs> what if I said you followed it up with The Least? Tears for Fearsy sounding single, and <laughs> the last thirty plus years. Although this one it builds. Oh yeah, it builds to something different. But I mean, just, just give a listen to the beginning of this.
1: Get your sweets from the candy man.
0: Get your truth from the shelf. I mean, when was the last time a Tears for Fears song was it, like it just started off with as an acoustic ballad?
1: Yeah, just blatantly acoustic. Um, n- never. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, I, I was know. I was
0: deferring to the expert here, but I I genuinely I I could not think of one. I was like, oh, is there something off? Everybody loves a happy. Is there something yeah. off of like? I mean,
1: there is Raul like the, and the Kings of Spain that I'm not thinking of. Yeah, I mean, maybe, but nothing this blatant. And there's the there's a bonus track on the Everybody Loves a Happy Ending CD from the UK called uh, Pulling a Cloud. That's just an acoustic song, but there's nothing this. Nothing that makes a statement like this song does. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, Tears for Fear songs, they, they're not only layered, but they they do. They sort of shift around, and they're, and they're playful. And one thing they don't do, though, is they don't, they don't start as acoustic ballads. But this one, eventually, it does start to evolve. And then, you know, by the time you get towards the end, you get a little bit of this. Shy, and all of a sudden, it's like, come my boy.
1: There, my boys, and it just yeah, and it just ends in complete chaos. Mm-hmm. I think I don't think there's an actual orchestra, but like there's a little bit of like a string section, mm-hmm. and then there's just oh yeah, this is what we're getting. We're getting a lot. Yeah, I really, I mean, they have to play that live when we see. it. Oh already? yeah, he's. They've talked about it in interviews that it's like one of the songs they're looking forward to playing the most. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I think.
0: Uh, that's my one regret with this song. Like, and not that I don't like it because I do enjoy it, but it feels like a big time live song. Like just, mm-hmm. just the way it builds and that big, just like wall of sound that they create at the end. And God, what, a, what a fun track and not something that you would expect out of a bunch of guys who, you know, I mean, how, how long have they been a band? 40 years.
1: Yeah. Forty years, as
0: of last year, I think. Yeah, yeah. Forty years doing this, and and when you're forty years into a career, you're not you're not making albums like this. You're not making songs like this. So it's it's nice to see them push themselves a little bit.
1: Yeah, this is uh this blew me away. Uh, mm-hmm. The first and the first time I heard it, <laughs> I was at a bar, <laughs> and it was the day the night that the song is supposed to premiere, and it showed up on the uh, touch Tunes jukebox oh so I paid the extra dollar to have the song be played next had never heard it was very nervous like what would people in the bar think about this song that I've never even heard and uh so you you like debuted the song in Milwaukee Wisconsin is I that did you say I'm I may have been the first person to play it on a digital jukebox wow I'm gonna make that claim wow
0: that's that's what we do on this podcast we're just breaking ground
1: it was because uh, it doing was it it. like Eleven o'clock too, so it was like not even midnight the next day when it was supposed to premiere, and yeah. uh, it blew me away. Wow, absolutely uh-huh. blew me away, um, and it still does. Like I don't, like I don't know if it's my favorite of the three. Like Tipping Points, like way up there, but mm-hmm. uh, this is a uh, this is what I was hoping for. Yes, yeah. as far as like new material, this is like both a giant step forward, but also I don't know. It it is. It's just a giant step forward Mm. and it's not in the vein of like trying to find that hit single that we were kind of promised six years ago. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I I mean, I'm splitting hairs because I enjoy the song. Great. Uh,
0: You know, but I, I definitely think tipping points a little bit stronger. I think lyrically maybe this one doesn't hit as hard for me, but that's not to say that there's anything wrong with it, but you know, Uh, and then just a few days ago, we were hit with a third single, and I think you know I, I've had the least amount of time with this one, obviously. But uh, this one, I'm probably the the, the coldest on. Mm. It just feels like, and this is this is no shade at Kurt Smith. Uh, it just feels like a like just like a, a Kurt Smith paint by numbers to me. Like it's good, but it's exactly <laughs> what I expect. It's
1: the Thomas. first ever Tears for Fear single that doesn't have a Roland Orzabal writing credit. Really? Besides the covers. Okay, so I, I did not know is. that, but now I'm patting myself on the back yeah. for identifying a pure Kurt Smith track. Yeah. <laughs> and other than, like, you can definitely hear Roland singing.
0: This was never what I thought it was. This is not who we are. Fast forward a little bit here to the middle.
1: I like that bridge. Yeah. A little bit of that flute in there. So, yeah, this is how we, like, we've been saying, the song's been out not even an entire week at the time of this recording, so we're maybe digesting it a little bit. Um, it is a lot of... To me, Kurt Smith trying to write, rewrite Woman in Chains as a pop song. Mm. That's a really interesting take on that. I like that. Um, Although I did hear an interview the other day where they, a Consequence of Sound, did a Zoom call with Tears for Fears just a day or two ago. Mm-hmm. And the interviewer was... <laughs> he asked good questions, but he was kind of terrible. <laughs> he just took him a long time to get to the core of each question like he'd ask like kurt like hey can you talk more about this other song on the album and kurt would be like well that's one of roland's but yeah i guess i can talk about (laughs) it um but they bring up break the man and the interviewee is like "Yeah, so this is almost kind of like a a sequel to woman in chains and roland very quickly is like no no mm no (laughs) <laughs> it's not like Woman in Chains is very specifically about domestic abuse. It's about my mother. Mm-hmm. Break the Man is not. And then he kind of lightens up a little. Not I don't want to say lighten up, but he kind of gets a little bit more jovial. Then he's like, Well, actually, I mean, if you put Everybody Wants to Rule the World with Break with Woman in Chains, then you get Break the Man.
0: There you go. Because it's
1: a song about fighting the patriarchy. And I read about that for weeks before this song came out. It's like, Oh man, they're really going to like. Stick it to the man Literally mm-hmm. And
0: I don't know if the man Was fully
1: stuck here No No I don't either I mean it, it's Having said that I actually do like the song Um mm. And I think it, it's very um It's the most They've sounded like 1985 Since 1985 Okay Just within the production of it At least But um It wasn't Lyrically it wasn't as strong As I was kind of hoping It was going to be hmm Um I appreciate the message and I appreciate what he's trying to do with the song. But uh of the three, yeah, for me it's maybe the weakest. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm very spoiled to even be saying that right now. Right. <laughs> oh, I got three Tears for Pierce singles, I have to pick my favorite. Ugh. Uh had this been released as the first single, I would have I would have been on board still, but I would have been like, um Yeah. I hope it gets better. I think that's
0: that's kind of the, the struggle for me is you know you think about songs as album tracks and you think about songs as singles and you kind of contextualize them differently and I struggle to see how this one functions as as a single like I don't what what's the point is a little bit harsh but we're you're telling a story with the first two singles you know mm-hmm. that that opening track is just like it's exactly where Roland Orzabal is in his life. It has been. And, and, you know, that's why they haven't released something in so long. And, and yet it's classic tears for fears. The second signal single is, you know, here's, here's how we're evolving and, and what we're becoming. And it's, it's this perfect sounding live track. And then you get to this single and I go, What's the story? What are you What are you telling me with this? And I and I don't know if I have the answer to that.
1: Yeah, I, I almost wish they would have not released it as a single. <laughs> and I would and that's couldn't. exactly
0: it. Yeah. If this is an album track, and when it is an album track, and there's things that lead up to it and things that come after it, I think I can contextualize it differently, and I might have a different appreciation or hear it in a different way. But as it stands, it's just a song. Uh, yeah, it doesn't really it doesn't really hit with me. Which isn't to say that it's a bad it's a good song.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it is a good song. Um, it, it's it's very catchy. Um, but yeah, what I what's something that bothered me about it, actually, though, is that the beginning, the intro of the song, it's clearly f- having the previous song on the album fade out and fade into this. So mm-hmm. it's almost like you get a preview of the song a uh, long, long, long time. And it's kind of, oh, I wonder what that's going to be like. Yeah, exactly. Um, So it kind of, like, spoils that experience. (laughs) Well, at least you don't have to wait a long, long, long time to hear it.
0: hey oh, Hey, there we go. That's why they pay us the big bucks. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so, I mean, I think the big takeaway here is I'm genuinely excited.
1: Yeah, Um, I am trying to savor every moment because I think this is probably the last one we're going to get ever. Yep, I think so. Uh, So, I mean, that's...
0: It's I don't know. It's it's huge. It's going to be it's going to be really, really fun. I'm excited. Uh, I mean, we've literally been waiting for this for I mean, you for God, (laughs) 20 years almost. Yeah. 18 years. The last uh, everybody loves a happy ending is going to college now. That's how old
1: it is. Right. Yeah. Which is crazy. And it came out when I was in college. So there you go. Again, half of my life. Half your life. There it is. And now you're finally getting
0: something new from your favorite band. That's very exciting. Um, On top of that, not only are we going to cover the new album, but uh, we're going to see Tears for Fears soon.
1: Yeah, at the uh, (laughs) recently renamed Pine Knob Music Theater. Which is odd, because you know the Pine Knob story, right? So it was, Mm. when I was growing up,
0: it was Pine Knob. And then I think in the early 2000s, they changed it to the DTE, Energy Music Theater. Mm -hmm. And everybody got mad. And everyone was just like, I'm still calling it Pine Knob. (laughs) And then 20 years later, they changed it back to Pine Knob. And now everyone's like, I'm still calling it the DTE Energy Music Theater. Oh, which God. I don't know why you would do that. It's a very
1: clunky name. Yeah. But I like Pine Knob. Pine Knob's better. Reminds me of Alpine Valley, which is a amphitheater they're not visiting on mm-hmm. this tour. Yeah. So we have to travel. Or but travel.
0: At least we're going to Detroit. That's I,
1: I love Detroit. And yeah, we've, I'm uh, trying we've had a good time be. in all our Michigan jaunts to see tears for fears. And I, and I imagine there's going to be multiple legs of this tour. I think a lot of people are already up in arms like, well, they're not coming to this market or they're not coming to this country. Why aren't they coming to Cincinnati or <laughs> <They're>, Venezuela? Although <laughs> they're starting the tour in Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought about going because really? uh, we have a friend in who Chile. lives in Cincinnati. Oh, yeah, we do have a friend who lives in Cincinnati. Um but I don't think I want to go with the first show of the tour. I do because I want to see, like, whoa, what are they? I won't have any spoilers. Mm-hmm. But they're still fine-tuning the show, and since they're going to be in Cincinnati, well, that's a market <laughs> they don't really care about. <laughs> this is where we can kind of fuck up. <laughs> mm-hmm. First show of the tour. Um, and obviously Chicago would have been closer for us since we're here in Milwaukee, but I've heard that that venue sucks.
0: Which, which venue are they playing at,
1: Chicago? Uh, it's the Tinley Park venue.
0: Mm. So yeah, I
1: think it's called like Hollywood Casino Amphitheater now. Oh, fun. Which, it's crazy to me that they're playing these huge venues.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they did an interview with, re, um, 88, not oh, Jesus, sorry, 89, 89.3, the Minnesota Public Radio Alternative Station. Mm-hmm. And I thought, and they even said in the interview with the DJ, she's like, Oh, are you guys gonna be like going, coming to Minnesota? And they're like, Oh, yeah, I think that's in there somewhere. Next day, a tour gets announced, <laughs> not even on the itinerary. Minnesota, um, Michigan, it's all the, I mean, you're, you're close enough. Um, but I mean, they're doing all exclusively like outdoor huge amphitheaters on this tour. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's hard to gripe about these things because we're still in a pandemic, but every band that is around wants to tour in 2022. So Mm -hmm. take what you can get. And I'm sure they'll be back, but anyway, sorry for that rant. I'm very excited to go see them. We both are at Pine Knob. And you know what? As we wrap up this episode, Steve, I get to ask you a question
0: that we're finally going to have an answer to. When are we going to get a new Tears for Fears album? February 25th. Yes, we are. All right. See you next time.